1: Well, please take your Bibles and turn once more to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. We'll read together tonight from the verse number 4, Revelation 4. Reading from the verse number 4 down through to the end of the chapter. Can remind you that John is... Coming, seeing through the open door, he sees the throne. And in verse 4, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. To receive glory and honour and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. May God be pleased to encourage our hearts in his word tonight. As we behold this scene related to us by John, we are seeing a throne that reminds us of the sovereignty of God and the majesty of God sitting upon the throne. We saw last time that God's sovereignty is especially exercised in these displays of His mercy. Note verse number three, there was a rainbow round about the throne. It is the rainbow that speaks of God's covenantal mercy, and that is being manifested in the working out of God's sovereignty, the rainbow that secures the stability of this world for the working out of God's plan of redemption. And so we're seeing the sovereignty of God exercised in mercy, which in turn exhibits the glory and majesty of our great God. And that glory of God is then in turn reported by the company. The company, they do not add to God's glory, but they report what they see and what they know of their God. The company made of those beasts in verse number nine, they give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne. And when the beasts, when they give glory to God, the four and 20 elders join with them, verse number 10, and they worship him that liveth forever and ever. And they say, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. And so the company, they are, they are reporting, they are relating the glory of God They're not adding to God's glory. He is the all-glorious God. But they are recounting what they see, and they're worshiping their God. The joint choirs are responding to the scene, and they're responding to their knowledge of God, and they're bowing down in worship of the Lord that liveth forever and ever. Tonight, I want to take some time to consider this company. Very simply, who are they and what do they do? Their identity and their activity. You know how, how far we'll get. Time will tell. But let's begin by considering the identity of this company. The identity of those who are gathered around the throne. And there are two groups described here in verse number four. The two groups. Verse number four. There are the four and twenty elders. And then there's also we saw there. Verse number nine. But also verse number six. There is the reference to the four beasts. Full of eyes before and behind. Two separate groups to consider tonight. So let's begin with the 24 elders. The 24 elders, verse number four, who are sitting clothed in white raiment and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Three things about these elders. Firstly, they are clothed in white, they're clothed in white raiment. Now, if you take your Bibles and go back to verse number 4 of chapter 3, you will see a reference to this white raiment speaking to the church in Sardis. The Lord says, verse number 4 of chapter 3, Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Verse 5, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. It's a promise for the overcomers, a promise uh, that we saw before, a promise that relates to their eternal state, clothed in white raiment. Similarly, verse number 18, speaking to the church of the Laodiceans, verse number 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed. And so we're seeing here the reference to the white raiment ties back to those words of promise to the churches that if they overcome, they would have this clothing of white raiment. Now keep that in your mind and see the second thing, they are said to be crowned with gold. Crowned with gold. It speaks of their coronation there, crowned with gold. Verse number 10 of chapter 2, you have the promise here again giving to the churches Verse number 10, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and here's the promise, and I will give thee a crown of life. This crown is mentioned in chapter 2, verse 10, is the same crown referred to here in chapter 4, and the verse number 4, the crowns of gold, and it speaks of the victory crown. So that word Stephanus speaks of the crown that was given to the victors in the early uh, ancient Olympic Games. This is the crown of the victor, the crown that speaks of their triumph that they have indeed overcome and won the victory. In light of this coronation crowned with gold, they're also said to sit upon seats. Verse 4, there are these four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting. Now, the word for seats here is the same word for the throne, also used in verse number four. And round about the throne were four and twenty thrones. It's a description here of this company sitting upon the throne. Chapter three, verse number 21, gave the promise to those who overcome that they would sit with me in my throne." And so we're seeing a, a picture here, and remember some of the, the differences here are differences in visions that are being given for different purposes, but they're teaching the same truth. Now those who ever come are said to sit with the Lord in His throne, or here in chapter 4, sitting upon the 24 thrones. You'll see the same over in chapter 20, Revelation chapter 20. You'll see those who are sitting upon the thrones and how they're described here. Revelation 20 verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw, listen to this, I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image. Here's a description of those who are on the thrones who are there. They are the souls of them who are martyred for the cause of Christ. These are the overcomers. The overcomers. So the 24, if you go back to Revelation chapter 4, the 24 is a description of those who have actually received the promises given to the churches. They're not waiting for the promises. They've received the promises. White raiment's. Sitting upon the throne and a crown of life, a crown of gold. They've received the promises already. They are those who have overcome. The Lord says to them, Overcome and I will give you these things. Well, they've overcome and they've been given the very promises of God. They are righteous and they are reigning. These are the reigning righteous ones who've overcome through the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. They are the recipients of the benefits of Christ's work. Remember the crown. The crown, the thrones, sitting with Christ, having the crown, it refers to sharing in Christ's victory. Our victory is in union with him. It's not in isolation. It's in union with our great victor, Christ himself. And so we share in his victory. The the white raiment speaks of Christ's righteousness. It's not our righteousness. It's the righteousness given to us, that alien righteousness, the righteousness of another, Christ's perfect righteousness. Righteousness those are the garments in which they sit this these terms these elders describe those who have been redeemed by Christ and so in the third place they are clothed they are crowned and they are counted there are 24 mentioned here 24 or 4 and 20 elders and you know your basic mathematics Two times twelve equals twenty-four. Here are these twenty-four elders. And I mention that because you turn to Revelation chapter twenty-one. And you'll see the importance of this number twenty-four in light of Revelation chapter twenty-one, commencing the verse number nine. Revelation twenty-one, verse nine, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And so what happens next? Well, John has taken in the Spirit to a great and high mountain, and he's shown the holy city Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. The Lamb is the city, and the Lamb has the glory of God, verse number 11. Her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel." On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, on the west three gates, and the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the name of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So this city is constructed upon the tribes of Israel and upon the twelve apostles, And so you get the 12 plus 12, you get the 24, and you get the word elder, and you get the sense that these 24 elders, they represent the Old Testament and the New Testament saints together. The company of the redeemed Old Testament, the 12 patriarchs, the sons of Israel, the sons of Jacob, and then the 12 apostles representing the New Testament saints. So 24 is a number that is symbolic of the company of the saints who have overcome and entered the Lord's presence. You get similar numerology used in the 144,000, 12 times 12,000, the vast company of the redeemed. And this is what you see in Revelation, just as a passing comment, you see similarity of pictures denoting the same things. And one of the ways that people have got confused is they've, they've tried to see differentiation between the pictures, but they're saying the same thing, just in slightly different forms, helping us to see the fullness of God's work of redemption. So the 24 here clearly describe those who are redeemed sinners from both the Old and the New Testament who are together now around the throne of grace. The white raiment, the crowns, the sitting, the number, all of this points to the fact that this is a company of the redeemed. They've overcome, and they're now in glory. Now, there are some implications from this. I trust if have carried your mind regarding that uh, matter, how do you understand the 24? You see the company of the elect, the company of the redeemed. But there are some implications. First of all, we see here that man can dwell in the immediate presence of God. This is not a description of the angelic host. This is a description of saved sinners dwelling in the immediate presence of God. I have no doubt in my mind that 24 refers to mankind, to those born in Adam, who by grace have been redeemed and reconciled, all in Christ. In Christ they get the clothing, in Christ they get the crown. And in Christ they overcome, but they are now, they are saved sinners enjoying the Lord's presence where there is fullness of joy. There's nothing here of purgatory. There's nothing of soul sleep. There's nothing of the Old Testament saints in Sheol for a season. These are Old and New Testament saints who are in the presence of the Most High God and they're enjoying the Lord's presence. You take a time and you consider You consider a loved one in glory tonight. A loved one in glory. And perhaps someone you knew, and you knew their sins. But you knew that their trust was in Christ Jesus. And as they rest in Christ and they overcome, they don't give up on their faith, they overcome. So they are taken into the very presence of God, captivated tonight by the Lord's glory. The company of the redeemed. Oh, what will be to be over there, to be with that company, worshiping the Lord, the one who lives forever and never Man can dwell in the immediate presence of God. Secondly, the implication, we see that Christ's promises to His church are true. The promises that give are the promises that Christ gives to the churches in chapter two and three they are realized in chapter 4 for those who have died and gone to be with their Savior. Don't you see that? Chapter 2 and 3, what was the theme? These churches with their different struggles and problems, what does the Lord say to them? Overcome and I will give. Overcome and I will give. Overcome and I will give. And then John goes to chapter 4, and he sees that those promises have already come true for many. Many who were overcoming who had not lost their grip on the Lord, despite the problems and the persecutions they had held fast. This vision, John is seeing a God that keeps his word. Therefore, I say to you, dear child of God, overcome tonight. If you find yourself wrestling with the temptation of the world, I'm wondering, is it worthwhile holding fast to my faith in Christ Jesus, I tell you, it is worthwhile. If you're wrestling with the doubts and discouragements, is it really, is it really worthwhile to continue to suffer for righteousness' sake? Is it worthwhile to give up the pleasures of this world? Is it worthwhile? Oh, yes, it's worthwhile. God keeps His promises. And those that overcome, they find themselves in the presence of the Lord. The third implication of this is that the Old Testament and the New Testament saints are united around the throne. Now, we, we understand, we heed carefully the language of Hebrews that the new covenant is a better covenant with better promises and a better mediator. Christ, not Moses. Assurance, conscience, cleaned, those things are the promises of the new covenant. But the old covenant pointed to the new, and souls are saved by faith in the same Christ. And in glory, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, but one in Christ Jesus. That's why the number is 24. Not just simply 12 and 12, but 24, indicating one united company around the throne. There aren't two ways of salvation. For the Old Testament and the New Testament, one way of salvation. Christ alone is the way to be in the presence of the Most High God. And so you see in this company, we see the identity of the 24 elders and some of those implications. Secondly, then, let's note the identity of the four beasts. The translation we have, the authorized version, uses this term, beasts. Very literally, it refers to living creatures. And the word that's used there actually is derived from the word for life, living creatures. And there are two, two common views espoused for the identity of these four beasts. Some people suggest it refers to God's sovereignty over all of living creation, the lion, the calf, the man, the eagle, describing various various parts of God's living creation, and God is sovereign over them all. But I think it's hard to suggest, hard to defend that view, because whilst we see Revelation as being symbolic, the symbol must response, must correspond to reality. The symbolic must correspond to reality, and there is no sense now of creation worshiping in heaven. And so the picture is there. Yes, God is sovereign over the created order, but what you see in this created order is that they are worshiping in the presence of God in heaven. So I think more than likely, the four represent the angelic host. It represents the angelic host, and there is a very clear parallel between Revelation chapter 4 and Ezekiel chapter 1 and 10. So go back, please, to Ezekiel chapter 1. In Ezekiel chapter 1, I'm just going to show you very, very quickly some of the parallels that there are between uh, Ezekiel 1 and Revelation chapter 4. In both cases, the beings are referred to as the living ones or living creatures. Verse number 5, And out of the midst, there came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. Ezekiel is by the river of Chebar, verse number 1, and he's seeing these living ones. The symbolic number in the same is four. You'll see in verse number 10 of the chapter that their faces are compared to man, lion, ox, and eagle. You'll see in verse number 18 of Ezekiel chapter 1 that there's a reference to the eyes and the presence of their eyes. That corresponds to verse 8 of Revelation chapter 4. They were full of eyes. You've also got the fact that they're closely associated with the throne. Verse number 26. You see a reference to the throne above their heads. There's also the reference of fire moving among the living ones, verse number 13. There's the rainbow in verse number 28. These are parallel scenes. As Ezekiel is getting a vision of heaven, so John is getting the vision of the same heaven. And they're seeing the same similar things. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 20, Ezekiel refers to being by the river of Chebar, and seeing the living creature, and saying, and I knew that they were the cherubims. In verse 20 of Ezekiel chapter 10. So you're seeing here Ezekiel 1 and 10, corresponding to Revelation chapter 4, and Ezekiel tells us the identity of these living creatures, they are symbolic of the cherubim. And that again shouldn't surprise us. What is their song in verse number 8? Well, their song is the same song as the seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is the song of the seraphim and the cherubim. And so we know, we know the angelic host, they worship and they serve God. And the symbolism confirms that service. The lion speaks of strength and boldness, The calf or the ox speaks of faithfulness and service. The man speaks of sense, a reasonable creation. The eagle, the flying eagle, speaks of speed. All of that corresponds to the language of Psalm 103. In Psalm 103 and the verses 19 and following, listen to this. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength. There's a the lion that do his commandments. There's the, the calf, the ox, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. The idea of the speed of the eagle, doing the goodwill of God. Oh, There's great comfort here. These creatures, these cherubim, they worship God and they do His will. They do His will faithfully, strongly. They do His will reasonably. They do His will with speed. And remember that part of the task of the cherubim in doing the will of God includes ministering to the saints. The Lord sends His host to minister to His saints in ways that we cannot see and we often do not perceive, but they come like the eagle and they minister to our souls and they bless us in ways that we cannot even comprehend. The work of God and His angelic host. The challenge is, the challenge is in light of the prayer that we pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And do you recall how the Shorter Catechism explains that third petition? In the third petition, we pray that God, by his grace, would make us able and willing to know, obey, and submit to his will in all things as the angels do in heaven. This company that serve us, they also serve as an example of service for our God. And they serve with boldness, And we, like the righteous, we are to be bold as a lion. We're to serve God with determination in this world. We're to worship God, confess God, speak of Christ to the nations. We are to serve with boldness. We're to serve faithfully. We are to be like the ox and the calf. We are to be faithful in our service of God. We are to serve as men reasonably. It is our reasonable service, Romans chapter 12, isn't it? We give ourselves as a living sacrifice. We are to be like the eagle, swift in doing the will of God. We consider our ways, we think in our steps, and we run in the way of God's commandments. These, these angels, they, they give us comfort in that they serve us and they challenge us by their very example. This is the company that we see around the throne of God. The redeemed, saved by God's grace, and the angelic host serving the Lord, how these things, they ought to challenge us. They ought to, they ought to say, in a very reverence say these things ought to blow our minds. The unseen reality of God on the throne and a company worshipping His great and holy name. We'll need to come back next time and think about the activity of this company. But for now, may God bless and encourage and challenge. Whatever the need may be, may He speak to your souls through His Word tonight. Amen and amen.